Hello, Olga, and hello, Douglas Skelton. Now, at last, we're in touch, I think. Right. <laughs> and this is the magic of spooks, Olga. You'll get used to it. Um, it does work. <laughs> Honestly. Now, Douglas is in deepest, dark air, darkest Ayrshire. I know you're around in the Edinburgh area. Am I right? I'm in Porsche Edinburgh. You're in Porsche Edinburgh. I'm in Leafy Loch On Lomond. the third- on the on the where sorry, the verge of Morningside. Oh, I see. Oh my. Yes. Oh my. At least it's not Dubbington Village. Then, <laughs> then we'd be very impressed. Uh, In- uh, now, um, all that. Now, you tell me how to pronounce your, your second name because I've made a mess of it. Um, a total mess of it. Yes, um, it's spelt Wajtas, but it's pronounced. Voitas, as if it was a V and a Y instead of a W and a J. Ah, I see. I was saying Viotas, which was clearly <laughs> wrong. Yes. Clearly wrong. Now, yes. you have done ma- many. Th- what well, have well, introduced Douglas? Hello, Douglas. Yes, hello. I'm here. I'm here. I, I knew how to pronounce your second name, Olga. I just didn't. That's really right. good. Yeah, because I, I was I was paying attention at Granton. <laughs> but that that Denzel that Denzel Merrick he doesn't pay attention at all. I, I was still well, when sorry. When you're as grand as Denzel, you don't have to pay attention to anybody else. It's like being the queen. Well, not, not queen, queen Queen Denzel. I think that's actually got quite a ring to it. Queen Denzel. Maybe I'll get. In can that. I just tell? Can I tell you about the first time I met Denzel? Yes, please go ahead. Basically, he didn't know that I'd met him because I wasn't actually meeting him. I was I was basically one of his vast audience at the Edinburgh Festival. And I had gone to hear him. I'm sitting there and I have to say it was very good and very funny. And I'm sitting there laughing like a drain and I suddenly <laughs> look down and I am absolutely covered in blood. I'm just hemorrhaging. What? And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> and it turns out that morning I had gone to give blood and I'd been laughing so much that the wee plaster on my arm had come off and the blood was just pouring out. Good well, grief. I mean, that's happened to a lot of my audiences for different reasons, and you know, <laughs> you know to be honest. But there, there has been occasion where my audiences have been covered with blood. Uh, but I'm glad to hear your experience was one of an accidental nature. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what puzzles me is who was he on with that you were laughing so much, Olga? Because it's you know it wasn't it. It was Chilola Dal. It's certain. It, he's a person whose name I can't pronounce. Like Denzel can't pronounce my name, and I'm very impressed by the way he's his name. Chilola Dal, because um, it's a strange thing because. Kintyre, where I'm from originally, was a Norwegian um, sept for many, many years, up until the 1400s. And um, there's still the, and some people call uh, Charlie's Chills to this day. So the same as Chill Oladal. So I, I take right. it. Yeah, I take it Chill must be Norwegian for Charles. Yeah. Well, That's very I've been going around calling him Carl because that's what it looks like. Just call, just call him K.O. He'll be all right. He, he gets away with it. He's, he's a very nice man. Douglas met him as well, didn't you, Doug? I did. Very nice man. I just called him Hey You. It was easier. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you wouldn't have had me that day. We had to buy him with fish and chips to get him to get him restored his uh, his sensibilities. <clears throat> now, Olga, you've done many things in your life, but the most recent thing you've done is to publish a new book. Can you tell us about it, please? I can indeed. It is the second of a potential series. I don't know whether two makes it a series. Yes. Anyway, it's the second is the second book. It is called a title that trips off the tongue, Miss Blaine's Prefect and the Vampire Menace. And it follows book one, which was Miss Blaine's Prefect and the Golden Samovar. Can I just stop you there about book one? Now I've read book yes. one and can I tell you that I was very disappointed that I didn't find out who this Irishman Samovar was and why he was golden. <laughs> well, can I just say that means you weren't paying attention? <laughs> can I just say that's nothing unusual? <laughs> um, Douglas was probably reading the book at the same time as he was dipping his oil tank or erecting his daybed. <laughs> I, I really don't want to know about either of these. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, if you listen to previous episodes of Spooks, Olga, you will become enlightened on these subjects, and really they're tawdry, <laughs> to, to right. say the least. <laughs> so, <laughs> could you give us a little of flavour of said book, please? I could indeed. Are you actually suggesting that I might read a bit? Oh, you, we've never had. To... Yes, please do. Please read uh, to your heart's content. Oh my God, I've not prepared that at all. Right. Uh, first of all, I'll just tell you a bit about it, the background, while I panic-strickenly sort of leaf my way through this. Ah, um, basically, if, if you can find a couple of pages, that would be great. Right. Well, I went to James Gillespie's school, which is the school that Muriel Spark went to. And Muriel Spark wrote The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie about my school. And not only that, she wrote it about her teacher, who was Miss Christina Kay. Yep. And Miss Christina Kay was an admirer of the black shirts, and she called all her pupils the creme de la creme. And basically the school was absolutely horrified because it was clearly their teacher and they yeah. thought it was a terrible thing and they were shocked that she had brought the school into disrepute. So I have got a heroine who is 50-something because I'm trying to reclaim the middle-aged woman market and she is now a librarian in Morningside Library and uh -huh. she's basically trying to... Ooh, why are we beeping? I'm not beeping. Is it just beeping or is... No, I'll just be. It'll just be a wee notification coming through in your phone. Don't worry, Olga. Just carry on, regardless. Okay, I shall. I shall, I shall carry on. Anyway, um, my heroine, who is called Shona McMonigle, is a fifty-something librarian in Morningside Library, and she keeps being sent on time-traveling missions. Um, uh -huh. um, I was going to read a bit now. Denzel, will this upset you because there's a bit in French in it? Well, you know that I know your French is much better than mine. I, I, to put you in the picture, Spooks listeners, um, Olga and I were part of a trip to visit the office of Circumulcution, um, or as it's called, the European Commission, um, last October. And during a terrifying trip from Brussels to Brussels airport in a, in a, in a, a taxi driven by 
somebody looked like Super Mario. Uh, Olga displayed her <laughs> huge French skills, and they're very adept she is too. But no, please read it. We've never had French in spooks, so this is good. Olga, take it away. Thank you very much. I was sitting at my computer in Morningside Library, checking the reservation requests, when a borrower appeared and said, Bonjour. Having had the finest education in the world, I'm fluent in a great many foreign languages and slip easily from one to another. I didn't even notice that I'd been addressed in French, but simply responded automatically, Bonjour, madame. Que veut dire cette conduite? Since my conduct is at all times exemplary, I merely asked, Conduite, madame? I looked up to see Miss Blaine glaring down at me just as her marble statue glared down on everyone in the she demanded. Being accused of being a parrot was bad enough, but two is the word used to address children. Given that I was an adult and wasn't related to the founder, this was quite offensive. On the other hand, since Miss Blaine was at least 200 years old, my being 50-something no doubt qualified as childhood in her eyes, However, I still didn't understand. Je ne comprends pas. She waved a yellow-covered book in my face. Ce n'est que trop évident, she hissed. Tu ne comprends presque rien. Tu n'as pas vu ce, ce bouquin qui vient de reparaître avec sa héroïne détestable. Il risque de réentourner cette RP à de nouvelles lectrices. C'est abominable. It was very difficult to work out what she was on about. She was obviously completely fluent in French, but she had retained her thick, more side accent, which made it tricky to follow. She was also agitated, one might even say enraged, which didn't help her comprehensibility. But I tried to piece it together. Why hadn't I seen some book that had a detestable heroine? I wondered what book it might be. Reading literature is very subjective, one person's detestable heroine is another person's role model. Anyway, Miss Blaine was worried that new readers would be introduced to this awful woman. But before I could seek further clarification, she slammed the book down on the desk in front of me. I can't say my blood froze, because blood only starts to freeze at minus two degrees Celsius, and we like to keep the temperature in the library at 20 degrees Celsius, despite <coughs> pencil cuts. But I did feel a distinct chill. Oh, love the Dorothy she passed. De Muriel's wonderful book in the marvellous new Polygon edition with all their <laughs> colourful <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> and you see, Shona has been given one job, which is to stop people reading The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie, and she has <clears throat> failed. Well, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think I'm, no, nobody else has read it. <laughs> <what I can. laughs> <laughs> um, that, now, can I can I say here that I hope you're narrating your own books on Audible. <laughs> Not that I know of, but do you think I should? Oh, I yeah. think you definitely. Oh, no yeah. doubt about it. Absolutely perfect because I mean, the likes of Douglas and I couldn't manage such a feat. Um, but you you're, you've got the perfect voice for it. I mean, obviously you you went to that school, um, which we'll we'll cover in a wee while. But but. You know, it's, what do you think, Douglas? 
It, it seems to me what Denzel is saying is you've got a f- good face for audio. Yes. Well, that, well, 8K, listen, there's lots of money to be made in audio. Oh, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, that's why we do have Spooks podcast as opposed to a vlog cast. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine that? Now, there's a terrifying prospect. Douglas <laughs> with the, the fact hanging out his mouth and the, 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 the thing behind. My, my curler's in. <laughs> Aye, but but you could see, you could actually see him erecting his daybed, <laughs> or not, <laughs> or not as the case was. <laughs> yeah, yeah D- Douglas had to get somebody to help him with the erection of said daybed. <laughs> I, I had to get a man in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. There was a number of comments about that on on the on the uh, anchor feed after we'd published that podcast about Douglas's problems with erection, and and to make. <laughs> To make matters worse, Olga, he then visited the Dick Institute the week later, which oh dear. caused caused great hilarity amongst the spogs, the spogs, the spooks listening public. Yes, we're uh, going to be doing carry on sleuthing there, Olga. So carry on. Oh right, yes. Am I able to be rude or not? Oh yes. yes. Right. Well, uh, I I used to be a higher education journalist. And the Dick Vet, as you know, is the the Veterinary Institute. And uh, I had a friend who was the press officer of the Dick Vet. And they moved from their Edinburgh headquarters um, into a a new billet at a place called The Bush. And she said it's very difficult writing headlines, (laughs) trying to avoid. Anyway, it was all a bit dodgy, really. (laughs) (laughs) You you, you can Collapsed again. You could get a job writing some of Douglas's plays because they're all, they're all based around that you similar know, kind of. Yes. Do you know that is my ambition? I want to be in one of Douglas's plays. I will die if I end up in one of Douglas's plays. I'll even come on and carry a teapot or something if that's necessary. Well, we, well, we'll, we'll have to make it so somehow. Well, Olga, it's a modest so ambition, but I'm sure we can. That can happen. <laughs> <laughs> it was Denzel's ambition as well, so he and he managed it. No, he it, did. Well, he did. He did very well. Yes, begged, I was very impressed. He begged us, Olga. He begged us, "Will you let me appear in one of the plays? What you wrote?" Um, I, I, I tell you the truth, Olga. <laughs> what was. They were. I sat in in the rehearsal of part of the said play, and Michael Malone was that worried about the expression of face that he didn't think I was going to come back for the show at the night time. <laughs> that is a true story. Because <laughs> he arrived in my he arrived in my hotel in Granton and he said, "They they don't sent me down because he's not sure you're going to come back." Because that's the way Michael speaks, obviously. Michael that's, doesn't speak like that. He could be in the room. He does. Anyhow, back to the, I guess, Douglas, we can't do this speaking amongst ourselves thing. Now, Olga, you have clearly, and you touched on it, you've had a very interesting career. You started off when and how? In, in, the, in the school... Um, and what was it like in, in that school? Is, did it bear any relation at all to the Miss Jane Bodie um, 
Past totally. It was, it, was, it was exactly like that. Um, I, I, I don't want to get you gents sort of, you know, overexcited, but there we all were in our wee pinafores with our white blouses and our ties and our Steady black Douglas. stockings. And so on. Yes. Anyway, yes. Yeah, it was, it was exactly like the prime of Miss Jean Brodie. And, and of you know, it's, it's, it's made me what I am. The same school was the model, I believe, for St Trinian's as well, was it not? Exactly so. And, yes. and, and you couldn't get much further apart than the Prime of Stream Brody and the St Trinians, especially the, the latest latest film that was made a few years ago, because, I mean, it was bordering on soft porn. <laughs> and and like... Douglas's dead, uh, CDs or DVDs just worn out, actually, of that <laughs> film. But I can understand that, yes. He's streaming it as we speak. Um, does, so, he, does he watch DVDs as he's lying on his erect daybed? He does, and while well, he's dipping his oil tank also. Uh, um, you know, he's a man of many parts. <laughs> most, <laughs> most of them oily. <laughs> <laughs> so, so <laughs> I'm just sorry, I'm lying down here in a darkened room with a wet compress in my head after the description of the uniform. So I know you I've no idea what you're saying. Oh dear, poor Douglas. Uh, I knew this would happen. The very mention of, of, of uh, stockings is enough to send him into the, the emergency ward. Um, right, yes. I'm not sure we're allowed to talk like that anymore, I've got to be honest. Oh, no, you're not, right. because we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get the, 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 the PC police onto us. Exactly. We'll all end up in a register. No, but, but Olga said it, so it's her fault. <laughs> and that, that's good. And so that's a fine career ruined. <laughs> now, but clearly, this 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 school would couldn't help but shape you as a person for the rest of your life. I mean, it, I've met precisely. You, I've met Sheila, your friend, who was so kind to invite us to to Brussels, and you Indeed. both went to school, didn't you? No, we were university compatriots. Oh, I she thought you were at school. She never went to my... No, can you not tell? I mean, I am the creme de la creme. You, you, now, now, you, now I think about it. <clears throat> She's a former Liberal MEP and you're the creme de la creme. I understand now. Exactly. And, she was very kind to us. But So how, was, how, how, how does that school sort of function in, your, in your next, the next part when you, when you get into university and then the, the later world? The later world was that I decided to become a journalist because I thought oh. that would be good. I don't know why I thought it would be good. And I joined the Evening Express in Aberdeen. And the Evening Express's sister paper to the Press and Journal, which you will remember had the headline down of Northeast Man Drowns at Sea. It's and I also discovered when I was there that the South Polar Expedition had ended up on their agricultural pages with the headline, Oat Blown Over in High Winds. <laughs> it, always, it always takes the northeast line. And again, my, my life has, well, I was going to say my life has been downhill all the way, but obviously it hasn't because then I got to see you at the festival. And that's where it wow. started. That's the highlight anyway, of people's lives. But my highlight before that was when I was on the Evening Express, I got to interview the captain of the sludge boat. Uh-huh. 
No, that's it. I got to interview the captain of the sludge boat. Well, I mean, sludge boat captains are well known for their expertise and um, the ability to sludge. Was he a, his name wasn't Skelton, by any chance, was he? Well, it's funny you should say that because I went out on the sludge boat uh, for the evening time many years ago. Um, right. Uh, and uh, they took passengers at that time. And uh, it was a day long thing. So it was early in the morning. And the passengers, as they were coming up the gangplank, I heard one of them saying, is this a love boat? <laughs> well, I, I can, I can, I can see you with that. Uh, I, I was out on the, the Clyde with George Parsonage, who, of course, has just newly retired as the the main man of the Glasgow Humane Society. Um, when I was a young police officer, and it was a very, George Parsonage is one of the most interesting people you'll ever meet. He knows every nook and cranny of the river, and I learned things that I've never expected I'd learned about Glasgow and the River Clyde. But we digress. So your journalism took you first to to the Aberdeen. And first to Aberdeen. Yeah. Then I moved to, you're going to be really impressed by this, then I moved to the Times Higher Education Supplement. <clears throat> I'm very impressed. I, I'm a Times subscriber myself. I can remember going to a school reunion and there was a lassie there who had always been very nasty to me when we were at school and she came up to me she said in a very patronising way she said well Olga what are you doing now I thought right mate you have asked for it so I sort of you know, drew myself up to my full height and I said well actually I'm the Scottish editor of the Times Higher Education Supplement and she took one look at me and she said hmm not even engaged. <laughs> See, that sounds a bit like Michael Moore as well, doesn't it, Douglas? <laughs> That's the kind of thing he would say. Well, you're not even engaged either, eh? Michael. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the times must have been like, you know, uh, what, what sort of, not to, to date you in any way, what, what year was this, uh, Olga? Not to date me in any way, I'm absolutely not going to tell you. Quite right, oh, well, yeah. quite, quite right, Olga. Don't fall for that trap. Yes. What, I, what, I can say, what I can say is that there was a, once a, a jamboree, which sadly I was not at, where Prince Philip came to see the paper and he went up to the editor and said, and what do you do? And this was the editor in London. And the editor said, I'm the editor of the Times Higher Education Supplement. And Prince Philip curled his lip and said, what is that weekend reading for intellectuals? And we actually thought we should have that on the masthead. That would be rather good. He's a fine man. We he's, yes. he's, at least he didn't ask you if you'd, why he had slitty eyes, which is one of his That's more... true. You know, he, yes. he, he enjoys the old racial slur. But I don't think he's in too good... <laughs> he isn't in too good fettle, the poor old soul. No, no, nobody wants to comment about poor Prince Philip. Well, God bless you, sir, if you're listening. And, exactly. Um, and, God uh, bless him. God, God bless Her Majesty. Uh, and God bless Her Majesty. And indeed, um, the, if, if a knighthood is on offer, um, you know, I'm... Or, avail or I'm available. <laughs> so you, the Times is a very impressive place to work. Was it? Was this during Mr. Murdoch's tenure? Might have been. Oh, you're very, very cagey about this. Very cagey indeed. Yes. Um, and if, and if it was, um, what was it like to work 
in a newspaper in under because we all have notorious uh, apocryphal tales of of working for in journalism at that period. Um, even though you won't tell us what period it is, you know, <laughs> I, I I reckon this was. I mean, we're we're sadly presiding over the 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 um, slow demise of the newspaper paper industry, but I I would imagine it would have been at its height then, Olga. Well, we were we were separate to the Times newspaper. We were actually in separate premises, so we were never actually inside Wapping, which was rather good because we didn't have any of that drama. Um, but what was interesting was we never had any interference from Murdoch at all. Um, and I have to say, we were sort of ever so slightly, I, I know this isn't a political broad, uh, a political podcast, but we were ever so slightly left wing. And Mr. Murdoch just left us to it on the grounds that an awful lot of academics are ever so slightly left wing. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think he's he can be um, very pragmatic when it comes to matters of of um, political loyalty. I think that is that putting it nicely enough. Totally. And the thing was, we were making a profit. So why would you mess with it? So you basically just left us to our own devices, which was terrific. Although, well, this is not an although, it's just I was wanting to give you a bit about my journalistic background. Sure. Since I, I, I can see what sort of a podcast this is. I was the first person <laughs> to get the word profiterole into the Times Higher Education Supplement. And I was also the first person to get the, the words severed penis into the Times Higher Education Supplement. Well, I'm Good. impressed. Well, I'm impressed. I, I, oh, I mean, I'm really impressed. I mean, we've never had... We'd, we actually had Quentin Jard on a podcast and he said nearly every word apart from severed penis um, on that podcast. Did so he say... Did he say profiteroles? No, no. He, he did say things that started with P's and F's and C's, but I can't, I can't, I can't go over them again for modesty's sake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a, he was a fine, he was a fine guest, and as you are yourself. Um, so, being a journalist, uh, how how does it feel f- for you seeing what's happening to newspapers? It makes me very sad. But how how does it make you feel, Olga? incredibly depressed and you're right because I mean I love print newspapers and I'm one of the few people that still buys print newspapers and to see it you you see the staff being decimated it's not that it's not that journalism has gone downhill there just aren't enough people now you know you can get a big story breaking there's nobody to send out in it there aren't people in the newsroom um I think it's incredibly sad and in fact, that, that this is actually a, a sort of segue that I didn't intend, but that was why I wrote the first novel, because I find the world an incredibly depressing place. Um, the political situation is just awful. Newspapers are ghastly. And what I wanted to do was write something that was just absolute escapism. It was just supposed to be comedy and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And yeah. imagine my surprise when the wonderful Saraband took me on and said, you're a crime novelist. And I said, me? Said, I, yeah. I, 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 yes, you've written a crime novel. I said, no, no, no. I said, no, I've written, I've written a comedy it's a pure romp and and they said you you do know there are six murders in it and i said oh all right okay uh-huh. and apparently i'm now a crime novelist so so do they cla- do they class you as cozy crime yeah 
it's quite cosy. I mean, the murders are, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a new classification of this because I, as Douglas knows, call my books crimedy. And, I and like I, it. That's yeah. very good. Well, I've st- I stole it really. Um, it's from when The Sopranos was on, was on the go, and the, I think it was New York Times said it was dramedy. Um, and very good. So I, I just have galvanised it. Uh, to, and, but but I, I, I don't know about you, but I hate being pigeonholed in any way. I mean, how do you feel about this all, this whole tap noir thing and all that, that, that surrounds it? Listen, I'll do anything that is going to get me noticed. I'm fine to hang on to anybody's coattails, so that is no problem whatsoever. You know, I'll, yeah, I'm doing this. Douglas is like that too. Um, as you know, you will find out. And you know, D- Douglas, you 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 will do anything to get noticed too. I think I'm right in saying. Well, yeah, but I don't like the the I, I don't like the term tartan noir. I, I don't really like labels, to be honest. No, no, no. But I, underst- and, and... I understand the need for them from a marketing point of view. But I, mm. I think tartan noir, um, in, in particular, can lead to quotas uh, with uh, publishers and agents and, and uh, even bookstores. So uh, that, that's why I don't like that. We're all just writing um, crime, no matter what it is, writing thrillers or, or comedy thrillers or, or whatever we're doing. Uh, so that's the way I look. You've disappeared there, Douglas. You disappeared. What, Totally. You just went. You just you sounded like a a, a dying Dalek for a few seconds there. <laughs> they just <laughs> no, that, that's, that's that's how I sound. I know. <laughs> so we've had you and Michael in the room at the same time. It's just great. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so, so now you 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 go to you wrote the book with no contract. Am I right, Olga? The first book, no contract and no agents. <laughs> And what happened was I had a piece of advice that I should just send it out there. And I sent it out there and I'm still waiting to hear from some of the people I sent it out to. Um, but the absolutely lovely Sarabans took it on and I think made an absolutely gorgeous job of it. You say you can't judge a book by its cover, but it's just both this and the last one are just such beautiful covers. I hope they will entice readers to see what might be between. They are indeed. I mean, I, I was lucky to receive my copy yesterday from the said Sarah Band, and, and I'm will, will be. I'm desperately looking forward to reading it. My wife grabbed it first, and she's reading it now. Um, but I will attend to it as soon as she's finished because she takes priority in this house, as you will probably know, having met Absolutely. her. Absolutely, and quite yeah. right too. I yes. have got my. I've put in my favourite joke in it, and since you haven't read it yet, do you want me to tell you my favourite joke? Please do. Please do. Right, are you ready? It's what's brown and sticky? A stick. <clears throat> right. Well, Douglas, that's not now. Have you tried <clears throat> down, Dougs? Yes, sir. I've just scrubbed her name off for carry on sleuthing now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have thought you've added her as a co writer. I mean, that sounds just like the kind of stuff that you do. <laughs> I'm dumb. I'm dumb. Um, it, it's uh, and and to get the the process of getting published now, people always ask me about it, and I dare say they ask most writers because there's a lot of people who harbour the aspiration to become uh, writers or published authors or whatever. Um, how was that experience for you? Did 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 Sarah? Did you send it out and and um, Sarah contact you? 
She did. And I was absolutely astounded and absolutely delighted. I had had it um, very much quality controlled because what the breakthrough was, um, was that I got an award from the Scottish Boot Trust. Now, that sounds very grand because if you get an award, it sounds as if you've done something. But the Scottish Boot Trust New Writers Award is to let you do something. And what yeah. it did which was fantastic. First of all, it gave me two grand which is brilliant. Um, by that time, I had gone freelance, so it let me buy out my time so that I could do some work. The second thing it did was it sent me to live in a recycled freight container for a week where there was nothing to do except write. Right. And third, it gave me four meetings with a mentor who was the fabulous writer Linda Cracknell. So she basically had gone over the manuscript before I sent it out to places and had effectively been my editor. So it was in pretty good nick when it got sent out. That's always an advantage because, I mean, I think especially a lot of self-published authors will realise that that um, the need for editing and proofreading and it's something we rather take for granted at, you know, with traditional publishing. But, but I can't, if, if there's anyone listening and they want any advice about writing books, and if you are self-publishing, get your book edited properly because it's essential to do. Does totally, yeah. Yes. Yes. Can I ask why? And I suppose... Book? Sorry, carry on, Olga. No, I was going to say, I suppose one good thing about being a journalist is you're, you're used to the sub-editors completely changing and mangling your copy and so on. So I think we're less precious about our writing. I think often somebody, if somebody's written something... They don't like people saying you should change that. But I think journalists are just used to it. So they think, well, yeah, that sounds better. I'll do it that way. Yeah, I mean, th this is a problem that Douglas has. I mean, the travails that his poor editors have um, is not to be, you know, sniffed at. I mean, the worst job in publishing is, we've just got your job. It's Douglas Skelton's editor. Now, what do they normally say to you, Douglas? <laughs> Thank goodness they say that's an easy job for me. I'll have it done by tea time. Uh, right. Um, that's not what your editor told me last time I met. <laughs> she was I, just I, saying I, that to you to make you feel better. Well, I'm, I, I'm notoriously pliable when it comes to editing. Um, oh, you know, and... Thank goodness there. I was wondering where that was going. <laughs> no, no, no. See, <laughs> I thought we were to the day bed again. <laughs> oh, oh no, I, I, if, you know, if you ever get to Douglas's house, do not sit in the day bed because it was erected by himself and his neighbour, and goodness knows what, what accident could befall you if you were to actually sit on it uh, <laughs> and then come in and see Douglas covered in oil. Well, <laughs> there's, there's no fear. Danny's a handyman. He built his own house, so he knows what he's doing. He built his own oh. house. Built his own house, yes. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking, be still my beating heart. Think of thinking of Douglas covered in oil. That's, that's actually quite <laughs> I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's an image that's been conjured up in many of our listeners' minds too. Uh, <clears throat> and, and I apologise in advance to you, dear Spooks listeners. I mean, we've got competition now. There's a new, um, uh, what's it called? The Tartan Noir Douglas, this new podcast. Uh, I can't remember. I've, I'll, I've got to be honest. Well, is it not bloody Scotland? Is it not connected to bloody Scotland? Is it? Yeah, I think well, so. Well, you see, Olga, we're unconnected to anybody, so we can do what we like. Right. Yes. You're independent, and well, you know, within the bounds of responsibility. Uh, um, so, 
you, you've got published, um, you've got your first book comes out, and what? How, how does it feel then? Are you surprised by the feeling of being a published author? Has anything taken you by surprise? It's just been amazing. I mean, I still have total imposter syndrome and I keep thinking I'm going to wake up and find Bobby in the shower and Bob in a dream and none of this has happened. Um, it was just fantastic. And what was particularly fantastic is the wonderful Sarah Band pointed out to me that they were publishing this in 2018, which was the centenary of Dame Muriel Sparks' birth. Wonderful. So I got to latch on to all these sort of Muriel Spark things, which was fantastic, including a local councillor, Melanie Main of the Green Party, contacted me and said that she was getting a, a pathway across the links named Muriel Spark Walk, and she wanted me to cut the ribbon to open it. Well, I mean, I that, now that's, that, that's, now you're talking. Exactly. I mean, I, I was delighted to be asked to open the refurbished Campbelltown Town Hall. Um, oh, wow. Four years ago, I was there in Campbelltown cutting the ribbon, uh, and it was a great honour indeed in my hometown. But to have a, you know, to, to be involved in such a prestigious project uh, connected with such a prestigious author must have been, you must have been thrilled. It was so exciting. It was it was just fantastic, and it was a it was just a wonderful, wonderful year. And and you, 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 I know you've appeared in various festivals and things. How how do you find is that is anything the way you imagined it, or are things about being published a published author and touring festivals and touring bookshops? Is there anything surprising about it? Well, I just never imagined anything like this would happen. So the whole thing is just incredibly exciting. But I have to say. And gentlemen, I'm not just saying this. What I have found is that Scottish writers, particularly crime writers, are just the loveliest people in the world. I could not meet nicer bunch. Of uh, you see, I'm Welsh. You've never met Denzel, Ed, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Denzel shepherded me through a horrific flight to Belgium, and he kept saying, "Don't you worry, that's just the engines falling off. It'll all be fine." <laughs> You know, we're, we're over the sea now. It won't hurt so much when we crash. He was we'll he was a gentleman. Yes, I, I, I rest my case. <laughs> I, I like the bit where they've got the wee card and you've got the guy stepping out of the, the plane window onto the wing as the plane's slowly sinking into the ocean and he's, his, hand is on the, his hand's on the knot of his tie. As though he's you know, saying, well, thank goodness for that. Now, when, when's Tiffin? <laughs> you know. Was it James Bond? Is that the sort of thing he would do? That's it. It was James Bond, only his head was just a black blob. Right. And well, we're probably going to get in trouble for that as well now. Um, but but he, was, he was kind of nondescript. It was just a sort of full stop head. But he was, he was adjusting his... And Olga's not the bravest of flowers. I think that's fair to say, isn't it, Olga? Fair to say. And um, I don't think our friend, our many named friend Gavin, is either. To be honest, <laughs> I saw his knuckles going white a few times on the way back uh, as he gripped the seat in front of him. Me, I, I just give it all. You know, once once you've nearly been killed by by the NHS, um, you can survive anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a problem. It's not a problem. You can get used to it. Uh, so the new book, what have you got planned? I know you're appearing at this weekend's Granite Noir, am I right? 
I am indeed. And what is entirely shocking is my, my heroine, as you can see, is a very proper person. And I'm, an, I'm appearing at a session which is called Gin and Sin and is going to include gin. I don't know whether it'll include sin as well, but there you go. Well, if, if Douglas, are you anywhere near a grant in our dogs? No, no, I'm off to Gretna this weekend. For, right. Oh, for, for crime and publishment. Oh, nice. What does that involve? It's a series of workshops for uh, would-be crime writers. And, uh, well, I hope you learn a few things when you're down there. Yes, <laughs> I'm hoping to learn a few things. My, Michael is there. And, you know, he is a font of, of wisdom. Uh, so I, I do to, to give my career a boost. Yeah, this is where you put the full soap in your parenthesis starts over here. That's, that's what he'll say. Did you notice uh, he didn't do an impression of Quentin Jordan? Well, I know, because you know, we'd be off the air entirely if I, if I do that. <laughs> and so what, what else have you got lined up? I know there's, you'll be doing bookshop signings and things. Give us your itinerary, please, Olga. I am going to the York Book Festival in March. Lovely. I am going, I think, I think in March as well, I'm going to Blair Gowrie to bookmark. Um, yeah. I'm also, I think, going to Tarbert, and I'm also available for weddings and bar mitzvahs. Be very careful in Tarbert. I, I, was, oh, the, right. I was the opening big, big act on the first ever Tarbert uh, literary festival or book festival, whatever they call it, and and it's a you know the rough in North Kintyre. Uh, being a South Kintyre man, I can tell you, you just got work because they they will attack you wholeheartedly. Oh, oh yeah, right. I, I remember an old fisherman friend of mine stood up in the middle of my talk. Uh, he'd had a few, and he stood up in the middle of my que questioning, and he said, "Come on, him son, who are you doing up that road?" Just come in with us tonight. <laughs> and I thought, goodness gracious, you know. So I was, they were trying to drag me back to Campbellton, kicking and screaming. Um, but no, it's a very friendly festival and, and you'll enjoy it immensely. Is it? Are you appearing in Stonefield Castle? I don't know yet, but that would be exciting. I could demand that. Yeah, well, that's where I, I did my bit and, and it's lovely. <gasps> and there was a famous murder in the grounds of Stonefield Castle in the 1970s. No, you, that's pretty you, yes, it was. Uh, it was the. I, I remember we were on holiday in Hull when it happened, and we picked up the papers, and there was Tarbert plastered all across the paper in Hull, the Hull Daily Mail, and everyone was shocked and surprised. Uh, and are you doing waters, the usual Waterstones and Blackwells and things like that? I had my launch. Um, I'm getting confused about what day it is on Tuesday night in the new bookshop Toppings in Edinburgh, Ooh. which was very. What's Toppings like? Because I have. Have you been in it, Douglas? I haven't been in the one in Edinburgh. I've been in the one in St Andrews, and that was a great shop. But I've I've seen some uh, footage of the Edinburgh one, and it looks absolutely brilliant. It is just stunning. It's an old Royal Bank of Scotland, and it's part of a sort of. Georgian Terrace, and it's just, it's been done beautifully. So next time you're in Edinburgh, you have to go to it. It is just absolutely gorgeous, and I, I have a whale of a time. I shall inquire of the high-tech assistance unit at Polygon to see whether or not I can achieve a, a, some kind of event there. What, what, do right. the what, what do you think the chances are, Doug's? It's always worth a try. Well, a good place to have an event, yep. 
We could do it together, you and I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you did you did you note the enthusiasm there, um, Olga? I know I did notice that. <laughs> What you really need, if you're on as a double act there, I could maybe come on carrying the teapot. <laughs> or the golden samovar. Indeed, yes. Uh, I've always wanted to go, and I, I bought some years ago, I bought a horse's head from Amazon. And not a real horse's head, it's a sort of pantomime horse's head. And I've always right. wanted to go to one of these events with the horse's head on, like the Edinburgh Festival or something, just to see how people would react. <laughs> uh, and so be prepared, listeners. I may well do that at some point because, you know, you try to liven things up a wee bit, you know? And and then I think that would yes. be a, a livener. And, and, I, and I definitely think Douglas should wear the horse's head um, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody would notice the difference, Denzel. <laughs> no, that's just, I would, I'd just fling you a cat and you'd be quite happy. Do, do horses eat carrot? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but, but so... You, you're all set with your publicity. Are you writing the third in the series? I'm contemplating it. It's at the conceptual stage. Oh, I see. Uh, yes. um, so have you had, we, La Creme, learn to do. Have you got a deadline? No. Oh, I well, that's good. Acceptance from the publisher. Oh dear. I'm hoping to sneak it, sneak, I was hoping to sneak it by her. And so well, well, it. yes. Well, well, I mean, if you have any problems in that direction, just come come to us, and we'll point in the direction of of um, of of a Ringwood, who are a very a very good publisher, and they'll do you proud. <laughs> <laughs> they were my first publisher, Olga. Um, I, I, I shall say no more. Um, but you haven't uh, asked me about my you haven't asked me about my other writing venture. I was I just, you this is, it, it was just the tip of my tongue. Now you're, you you write it? under another name. Tell us all about that. All about that. Um, the manuscript of my first novel was sent, sent to this German company, which publishes in both English and in German, and it came back with I thought the rather harsh remark, "This is too zany for the German," and I thought we should actually. As a cover quote, too zany for the Germans. I mean, I would, I would read it. Anyway, yeah. strangely, they said my writing, and they said they had a concept, and they were looking for somebody who would write it, and that's basically journalism. So I thought I can do that, and it's 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 set in the Cotswolds. It's cosy crime, and it's got a lovely hero, and I'm very happy writing it. And I, I produced the first one, and they said but you haven't got an English name. And I said, no, no, well spotted. I don't have an English name. And they said, but you have to have an English name because it's this quintessentially English series. So I was named after my father's two sisters, Olga and Helena. Helena is my middle name. So I took the name Helena and I grew up in Marchmont Road in Edinburgh. So I'm now Helena Marchmont, who I think sounds very posh. Certainly does, yes. And I have just finished volume eight. They're just e-novellas. I have to do volume nine by the end of March, and I haven't started yet. It you sounds haven't a bit... started? How many words? 30,000. Oh, no bother. Oh, you exactly. can do that. Douglas does that at the weekend, just the day before his deadline. 
every yeah. time. You know, they're sitting at Polygon Towers going, that'll be Douglas's book in soon. Oh, I just can't wait. He'll probably just be, he'll just be tying up all loose ends and reviewing it to death. And he's actually at word number 51,625. Desperate <laughs> for the whole weekend to get it finished. Uh, because that's the kind of chap he is. You've been compared, you've been compared to Alexander McCall Smith, Olga. How do Are you, you sure? I've never heard that. Well, I've just, I've just, I've just done it. <laughs> uh, I don't no, think, I don't think you can do that. Yes, you can't I, just randomly compare people to other people. Oh no! Yeah. Uh, oh yes, 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 yes. Uh, there is, there is, you know, I mean, there is, a, there is something of your writing that does remind me a slightly of, of Alexander McCall but of course, you know, in a very original fashion, and a, and a wonderful man to be to be compared to. All right. Uh, because he's, I mean, I don't think he's, how many millions of books has he sold, Douglas? I have no idea. Many, oh, many, I would imagine. I think it's about Den- 22 many- million or something. Denzel, Denzel, how many millions of books have you sold? I'm too modest to mention that, Olga. Um, no, I know, won't. I, I it's almost three million <laughs> now, I would say. Uh, well, Douglas, you, you you may be right. As, I, lo- as, I, lost, I lost count at 2.56. As 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 Mr. Urquhart would say, you may say that I couldn't possibly <laughs> comment. <laughs> and and do you do you sell well in Germany, Olga? I think so because they're they're e novellas in the UK, but they're actually publishing them as books in Germany. And believe it or not, they are part of the in-flight entertainment on Lufthansa. Well, goodness gracious! I mean, you can't get much better than that. Have, have you have you have you visited Germany to promote these books yet? No, not at all. No, that's well, very sad. And I also think I should get a lifetime free flights on Lufthansa as well. Yeah, I would expect nothing less. I mean, be very careful when you go there because I appeared at a book festival, Mord und Helweg. Um, uh, when was it? Two years ago? Two years ago, twenty eighteen. And the first thing the guy said to me was, "When you when you when you're on stage." You, you know there has been a rise of the right wing in here in Germany, uh, and uh, the, the press always try to catch a, a celebrity out. So I said, "All right." He said, "So if you're waving to the crowd at the end of the of the event, please wave wave from the waist." <laughs> and, and I'm thinking to myself, well, "What does he mean?" Anyway, you know, it was a great night. They're very, they're very hospitable. We had a wonderful, great crowd, um, and I enjoyed it. Thought well, I'd had a few beers by this point, and it came to the bit, and I'm waving to the crowd, hand out, st- st- and of course, in, in a Spiegel the very next day, there, there am I with the Hitler salute, giving it. Scottish author uh, visits Germany and makes makes his feelings known. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know I could have. You know, that was <laughs> it was about Angela was furious. Oh, uh, that's so, shame. do you have anything? Are you going to do more things journalistically, or um, uh, is it all books from now on? I seem to be heading more in the literary direction. This is partly because I went freelance in 2009, which was very intelligent because that was the start of the economic downturn. And what you find now is that's their freelance budgets. So I think, yeah, books, I think, may be the way to go. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think that uh, there are so, to my mind, there are so many 
good people writing books, but there are a lot of people writing not so good books. And it's great to see somebody like yourself getting getting the, the, the accolades and the recognition you so richly deserve. Douglas, yes, add to my appraisal. Very much so. I haven't read the second one. I did read the first one. Um and laughed like I'd written. I, I, I like the way he says, I did read the first one, then there's just this sort of silence. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just, it's only because he's forgotten what to say, Olga. It's nothing personal. He does this all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, are, who are you, people? <laughs> did you see Dirty Dishes on, on the stage at De Granton? I think I may have done. Yeah, that was when Douglas, <laughs> for our listeners... That's when Douglas dresses up as a 1970s rock god. You, you did see <laughs> Olga. You were there. You were there, Olga. <laughs> and appears on stage um, singing a song. And, and I'm, quite, I'm quite sure I'm not alone in saying that it was one of the highlights of my existence. That, that, <laughs> Absolutely. Along, along with Tim and Tom, who... <laughs> uh, um, so, so what's what's next? Are you for you? How many are you doing? More of the German books? I have. I'm going to be doing twelve in total. As I say, I've got nine to be finished by March. So there's another three to come. And right. also, as I say, I'm hoping I might sneak in another Shona to Saraband without them noticing. And so would you, that will. Would well. you consider doing anything else uh, other than those two projects you're already working on? Is, is, do you have something? sort of locked away in your mind that would say, yes, I've got, I've got something else in mind. I want to give somebody else a voice. Well, I might do, but I wouldn't tell anybody on this podcast, obviously. I just keep it locked away in my mind. Don't worry, nobody listens to it. just have to wait. Douglas is looking for new ideas. That's why I was asking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Are there <laughs> things locked away in Douglas's mind? I don't know what Douglas is doing. He sounds like you're having a heart attack or something, Douglas. No, I'm just sitting here listening to you, that's all. It's getting, the, the, wind is, the wind is getting up here at Hole in the Wall. Oh, dear, dear. Well, that does happen, does happen I, at you. And outside as well. No, the, the, it's getting, are, we, are we tad blowy here, as they say? Well, the ladies and gentlemen of the, the spooks listening public will be absolutely... <laughs> Crawled by this. There's a up the kilt. <laughs> oh God! Oh, oh, it's too much. It's too much. And Olga, is there anything? We, we're, we're running out of time rapidly. But but uh, is there anything yeah. you would like to to say to the spooks people about your new book? Well, just Buy get it. it. <laughs> it's all, it's, just it's awfully good. And its name it's is also again, good. Its name is Miss Blaine's Prefect and the Vampire Menace. And my name is Olga Voitas. And published by? Saraband. Saraband Books. Um, so, Olga, it remains me to thank you so much for coming and being part of this debacle that is our podcast. Uh, and I really enjoy your, your writing, and Douglas enjoys it, obviously, too, only he hasn't got to the second one yet. He just went, went silent. Um, uh, thank, you very, <laughs> thank you very much, and we hope to see you soon, and good luck at the weekend at Granite Noir. I am honoured. Thank you so much. Thank you, and thanks to Douglas Skelton. This has been Spooks, S-B-O-O-K-S, your podcast with everything in it, the podcast for you all. Please subscribe or download so as not to miss an episode across 
podcast platforms. It's been a Houses of Seal production for Anchor. Bye. <laughs>